Greetings and welcome to the first pod of 2018. My name is Mark West, and if you swim in the Sydney region, you might like to check in on Beachwatch. started a long time ago, back in 1989, and this was in response to the community concern about pollution at the beaches. In those days, there was probably about a billion litres of primary treated sewage, which was discharged into Sydney's coastline, and it would wash straight back on the beach. So as you can imagine, um, the community wasn't really wanting to accept that, and they had the poo marches and had concerts, <laughs> and it was really quite sort of front-page news at the time. In response to that, the, the government uh, established the Beach Watch program. The Beachwatch program tests the water quality of Sydney beaches to see if they are suitable for swimming. I spoke with the Beachwatch program manager, Dr Meredith Campy, about what Beachwatch does, its history, how they test and what they test for, and the various reasons a beach may be unsuitable for swimming. South Wales government program which monitors beach water quality um, so people can make informed decisions about where and when to swim. So quite simply we just go to the beaches, we collect water samples and we test them for bacteria which can show if there's signs of um, fecal contamination and then we just assess whether it's safe for swimming. So we're actually, um, it started a long time ago back in 1989 and this was in response to the community concern about pollution at the beaches at that time because in those days there was probably about a billion litres of primary treated sewage which was discharged into Sydney's coastline and it would wash you know in certain conditions straight back on the beach so you could actually see sort of the visual signs of pollution like discoloured water and you know things floating and also having grease balls on the sand and things like that so as you can imagine um, the community wasn't really wanting to accept that and they prepared all these or you know, had the poo marches and had concerts <laughs> and, and it was really quite sort of front page news at the time so um, in response to that, the, the government uh, established the Beach Watch program. So we started off, um, it was quite different in those days. They, the team at that point used to go up in helicopters and they would fly down the coastline and just look at the plumes and, and see where they were heading and which direction they were floating. And they would also go on the beaches and they would just walk down the beach and count the number of grease balls and the size of them and, and do those sort of field observations. So it, it's changed a bit since then. There's no longer any helicopters, unfortunately, or fortunately, but unfortunately for us because <laughs> it seems quite fun. Um, and then after we started doing the ocean beaches, it was um, expanded to include the more estuary areas. So that was looking at um, Sydney Harbour, Botany Bay um, and, and Port Hacking as well. Year after that we continued to expand and so in 96 we had the, the Hunter and Illawarra ranges as well. And then um, about 15 years ago was, was another major change to the program where we started the Beach Watch Partnership Program. So what this was is um, going out to the more regional areas of the New South Wales coast and working in partnership with the councils so, so we can have some sites in, along the coastline of New South Wales. Wow, so you've got most of Sydney and, then, and now expanding up and down the coast. Yeah, that's that's right. So, you, you know, obviously we can't monitor every single beach. It would be great if we could, but we we do have to prioritise in some areas. So, often you find, um, you know, the ones that are remote or haven't got many swimmers, they're obviously not a highest priority as the others. And we also find that sites like that are often, um, if they're not in quite as urbanised areas, there's um, less potential sources of, of pollution. So, they're often the, the water quality there is quite good. So that's that's amazing talking about 
going up in a helicopter and literally looking down and finding plumes and 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 grease balls and that sort of thing as as that's where the pollution got to that's that's amazing so i guess that doesn't happen these days how does well why doesn't that happen these days and how do we get pollution to the beaches well, the major thing that changed that was actually having the, the deep ocean outfalls put in from the main sewage treatment plants in Sydney. So that's from Bondi Mal- and Malabar and, and North Head. So that took the pollution to about, what well, takes the pollution, about three to five kilometres offshore. So we don't have those big plumes um, anymore. So there has been sort of vast improvement in, in the wastewater network and there's also been sort of um, improvements in stormwater management as well, which has really helped um, improve the water quality at the beaches. And so it's it's stormwater that gets down. Stormwater can get down to the beach, I, I guess. I've also read about um, sewerage systems. Yeah, look, it's, the rainfall is the major driver of pollution because it does generate the stormwater, but it also triggers discharges from the, the wastewater system. So when it rains, what happens is obviously the rain washes everything off the streets and roads. So all the pollutants like you know, dog droppings, cigarette butts, um, any rubbish, oil, so that all washes into the stormwater system and that discharges at the beaches. Um, and it's, all, it's not treated, so it's not like the wastewater which is treated, stormwater is untreated, and although there are sometimes traps, that will collect the large sort of litter, but everything else still goes through and discharges to the beach. But the other thing we have is, although um, in, in Australia the stormwater is separated from the wastewater system, you can get overflows from the wastewater into the stormwater um, and usually this is um, or when it happens in, in wet weather events. So how it happens is if there can be cracks in the pipe, and this is remembering in Sydney there's like over 22,000 kilometres of pipes uh, around the area. So if there's cracks, um, which you know can happen through mostly through tree roots sort of breaking their way in, water or the rainwater can get into the system and then the flow will exceed the capacity of the pipes. So what they have done is put these sort of relief, they call emergency relief valves or discharge points where the excess water can be diverted out of the wastewater system. So the good thing about this is it does stop it from flowing back into your house, you know, coming out of your toilet into your bathroom. But yeah. what it does do, it discharges and it will either go into a sort of a creek or to the stormwater system. So in those circumstances, you are getting the untreated sewerage flowing into the um, the stormwater. And although it is highly diluted, it's still flowing through there and coming out at the beach. Okay, so I, I live near the Cooks River and uh, I've read you know, various reports about uh, the levels of fecal matter and whatnot in there, and I always wondered how did it get there? What are people doing? So, so that's how it gets there. It's sort of it's overflow. Yeah, a lot of the yeah, most of the time it is that. You can also get it coming from animals as well. So, with our sampling, we don't differentiate or make a difference between whether it's from animals or humans. Mostly it is humans, but it can be from dog droppings or native you know, natural animals as well. Um, but again, it can be the leaks in the sewage system and then those overflows at rainfall. So what are the possible health risks? I mean, it doesn't sound nice swimming with dog droppings, but what, what, <laughs> what, what's the actual no. health risk? Look, um, swimming in polluted waters, it, it exposes us to pathogens and they make us unwell. So the pathogens are the organisms that cause disease in humans and the most common types are things like bacteria, viruses and protozoa. And protozoa are the ones that they live in the water as hardy cysts and then once ingested can actually be parasites within you. So exposure to this can cause um, gastroenteritis. So symptoms of that would be you know, vomiting, diarrhoea, stomach aches, nausea, headache and fever. 
but you can also get um, infections, so like skin infections, ear infections, eye or upper respiratory tract infections. Um, so again, it's, um, this is when the, the pathogens can get through cuts or abrasions in your skin or just through sort of um, delicate membranes in your ears and your nose. And these are the sorts of things that Beachwatch tests for? Well, we don't test for the pathogens themselves or the viruses because that's quite a complicated process. It takes a long time and costs a lot of money. Um, but what we do test for is the bacteria intracocci. So this is what is outlined or um, advised by the, the National Health and Medical Research Council guidelines. And what it is, it's a bacteria which it indicates fecal contamination because it's actually excreted in faeces and it's also really present in unpolluted waters. Um, and they've also been shown to have a clear dose-response relationship to disease, so it, it's a good um, way to see the risks that would be there in the water. Each year, Beachwatch puts out a state of the beaches report, how well are our beaches going over the last year. What did you find in it for 2016 and 17? Which beaches were good and are things on the improve? Uh, we had a very good result for the, the most recent report. So we actually found that 98% of the 140 ocean beaches that we monitored were graded good or very good. And what this means is they're actually suitable for swimming most or almost all of the time. Um, we, the thing that we do find, though, there is a difference in performance between the site types. So while the ocean beaches generally perform really well, um, the rainfall that we had over the past year did have some impacts on some of the more estuarine or lake and lagoon sites. So not all of them performed as well. And this is just generally because um, with the ocean beaches, you can have a lot more tidal flushing, which rapidly dilutes and disperses the pollution inputs. And that means they can cover, recover a lot quicker from um, any sort of pollution incident. Is that the same for Sydney Harbour? Like usually when there's lots of rain, people say, oh, maybe you shouldn't be swimming in Sydney Harbour. Is that the same effect? It gets less flushing? Yeah, look, it is the same effect. So while we say at ocean beaches, it probably takes about one day to um, recover from a, a stormwater event, the harbour takes a little bit longer. And it's because it is a bit more enclosed and it has a less sort of a flushing effect of the, the pollutants that may go in. And so what should, what should we do? What should swimmers do if they wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to go and do this event, I'm going to go for a swim? What are some of the precautions? Should we be taking any precautions at all? What, what do you think? Yeah, look, what we always advise is very simply do not swim in polluted waters. I think that's probably the, the best way to avoid um, any sort of chance of getting any illness. So there's sort of different ways that you can do this. But the first thing I would say is check, uh, we issue a beach pollution forecast. So every day we'll issue a forecast and the advisories that go with that. So we have this for areas in Sydney, Hunter, Central Coast and the Illawarra region. So, and it's based on rainfall. So we determine the likelihood of pollution and the associated stormwater due to the recent rainfall in the area. And then we also update these advisories throughout the day, whether we receive information from Sydney Water about a sewage overflow um, or just speaking to the council lifeguards who can let us know sort of on the ground information if there's anything that to um, impact the, the quality of the water at the beach. So that would probably be one of the, the best things to do. And these are available on our website. And we also have a really good um, mobile optimised version. So you can look at it on your you know, tablet or your, yeah, your mobile device. Um, and then we have Twitter, Facebook, 
and there is also an email subscription. So if you like to receive a daily email, you can subscribe and we'll send that to you, out to you each morning at about 7.30 in the morning. But um, if you haven't got access to that, we would always say just check the weather forecast. It really is um, in Sydney or in New South Wales, most pollution is related to rainfall. So just check if it's been raining recently. If it has, I'd say, as I said before, for ocean beaches, like leave it a day. Maybe for the more estuarine or enclosed areas like lagoons, leave it for up to three days before going in. But you can also look out for signs of pollution, such as um, you know, discoloured water, odour or you know, floating debris. And again, just always avoid swimming near stormwater drains and perhaps lagoon openings as well, because these can be sources of the pollution. That's interesting. And so what do you think this summer's going to be like? Technology's improving, the water treatment, I presume, is improving, and the stormwater collection and all that. How's this summer looking? Look, I've heard conflicting reports. It will be very dependent on rainfall. So if we have a very wet summer, obviously that could impact some sites and make them um, you know, unsuitable for swimming at certain times. However, if it's quite dry, then you can expect to be able to swim you know, most days over summer. Do you know how Sydney compares to Australia or the rest of the world? Oh, look, there's no sort of uh, global ranking of beaches, but I would confidently say that um, Sydney's beaches would be up there with the best. I think the fact that there is, you know, 98% of them are suitable for swimming, you know, most or almost all of the time is just an indication of how amazing they are, particularly given the fact that they're, you know, we're a very big city, highly urbanised, um, as I mentioned, you know, over 22,000 kilometres of uh you know, wastewater network going flowing through underneath it and we're still suitable for swimming. So I think that's a um, an amazing result. Yeah, and that's amazing. So it's only, you know, in the recent past where I've learnt that, you know, if the sewerage systems gets blocked by something like this, that the overflow goes into the stormwater. I mean, I, had, I hadn't thought that through before, so I didn't know that. And that that's quite shocking in a way because that, that goes directly to the beach or to the river, doesn't it? It does. So it does come out of the wastewater or the sewage comes out of the wastewater system and goes straight to the stormwater. And there's, look, most stormwater is discharged directly on the beach. And if you, you look around Sydney beaches, you'll see them when you're there. So you often don't notice it, but when you start thinking about it, um, you can see that they're there. And I think the big issue with stormwater drains at the beaches is often it's a beautiful area. It's nice and shallow. The water's probably a little bit warmer. And people, and I remember as a child myself, used to play in that area. So I think the, what we always just try and get the message out that, that don't swim in the stormwater. As, as calm and gentle and as warm as it is, it's just not the best place for swimming because you never know what's going to come out of the drain. And some of those nice little inlets are the, are the places where the, the kids swim because it is shallow. There's an inlet into like a, a, a lagoon or something like that. Yeah, look, every lagoon's different in areas like that, but it's just that there can um, sometimes there can be a risk that if there has been a pollution incident or an overflow, that's where it will drain to, so it can impact the water quality at those areas. Do you come at this from a science background yourself? 
Uh, yes, I have a, um, I'm a marine scientist, I guess, so I have a, um, a PhD in marine science, so that is my background. So I have worked for um, doing sort of baseline consultancies and things like that when I was much, or in my past, but um, I've been with the program now for about 11 years, so it's been quite a while. It's nice to see science actually having a real impact. I mean, I know that's an obvious thing to say, but this is a real impact thing that people can engage with and see the benefits of it. No, it's, it's a great program because it's all evidence-based. It's we follow, you know, it's in accordance with the national guidelines. So it's all sort of, you know, peer reviewed and supported by health and the universities and things like that. So while it comes out sort of at the community end, just saying, you know, pollution is likely or unlikely or things like that, there's actually a lot of work and science that goes on behind it to actually work out, you know, what the scenarios are and the impacts that might have. So that's what I like about it, taking sort of quite complicated thing and making it quite simple so it can be consumed by, or, you know, just be understood by everyone as how it needs to be. No, and it's quite clear too. I mean, I read that State of the Beaches report and I see the updates every weekend and the communication is quite clear. You don't see all the science that's gone behind it, but then you get a recommendation basically about whether you should be swimming or not. Yeah, yeah. And the other good thing about the data that we have, because we have quite an extensive data set, it's actually um, very useful in assessing sort of the management and the performance of the wastewater and stormwater system. So if there have been any sort of major changes in the way things are done or even sort of structural changes or operational changes, you can actually measure to see whether they have actually had an impact on, on water quality. So that's always um, it's a very useful measure for determining how effective um, you know, management strategies are. I guess in that regard, you probably work closely with Sydney Water. You know when they've made changes and you can give them recommendations back. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the the licensing condition um, that we collect water quality data and we provide it to them for part of their reporting process that they do um, for the EPA. So that's where it's useful. And we also provide the um, the data to to councils so they can see, you know, identify where there's any sort of hotspots or where there may be issues, and also look to see if you know what they have done or strategies that they're using have had an effect in improving the water quality as they were sort of designed to do when they first started. There's a lot of players really in this. There's Sydney Water, there's the councils, there's the EPA and then there's yourself and there's probably and then there's the everyday person who's visiting the beach and so there's a lot of players in keeping the beach clean. Yeah, look, the role of Beachwatch is really just sort of the monitoring and reporting and then it's this information that we provide to all the other stakeholders or the people involved to then for them to use as, um, as, as they see the need to. Thanks very much for tuning in to today's episode of The Pod and thanks very much to Dr. Meredith Campy for taking the time to chat to me about the Beachwatch Monitoring Program. If you'd like any more information on what you heard today, get over to our website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. And from there, you can find all the different ways you can subscribe to Beachwatch updates, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or a daily pollution email. If it's rained recently, I usually check in on their Twitter account. Thanks again. My name's Mark West. I'll catch you on the next edition of The Pod.